I always feel like when we end up a week with a guest that Tom and I are going to be more boring next week without a guest. (laughs) I always feel like the shows are more interesting when we have someone else with us than – I don't know. Well, I guess that's for our listeners to to write in, and uh, you could do it Say through only a review. Guess. That's a way yeah. to do it. I don't. I don't beg and plead for reviews on this show like I do on our other show, Native Plus Healthy Planet. But but we do have all five star reviews right now. That could change. That's a little nudge. Yeah. If you if you want to let us know if you like the guest, let us know through a review. All right. So we are the the two of you are going to ask me for five or ask me five questions. And I already today. saw Dow wrote them down. Oh, down what we're going to ask. Right. So I'm going to let him just take control, and I'm going to take notes and, and all right. go from there. Go ahead. Well, the first one is, is it a shrub, perennial, tree, or male grass? Or it grass? is a deciduous tree. You forgot to ask other. Not that it would yeah. <laughs> matter, but. <laughs> yeah, I get, how bad would it have been if I would have just said no? <laughs> yeah. No. It is a deciduous tree. Deciduous tree. So that. Ed's going to ask, um, so what is it, what's it, what's its eventual height? 60 to 70 foot. Um, I, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Are there ones that maybe are taller? Yes. Do I have sure. visual evidence of ones that are taller? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> but 60 to 70 foot. Okay, I'm going to cross out that one. All right. Uh, wetland status. Facultative upland. Okay, Tommy, so, you can ask the so last two. 33 to 66% well, of the time it's found what in. What questions did you write down? In up. Um, so, so my, so I was, had like the, the, the climate range, but for, so more importantly now it would be soil. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of get yeah. that with facultative upland, sun or shades. Yeah. With the, with the shade tree, with, with that size of deciduous tree, I, I kind of don't necessarily mm-hmm. feel like I need those answers. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask, does it produce a, and well, describe the nut or fruit if it produces one. All right. Uh, let me see. The seeds are Samaras with two wings in late September. Okay. That one. So that, that one helps narrow helps. it down. So you you have four Ooh, four questions. Four. You have one left. Um, I've never asked a question about a tree before, so I don't have my my script down. Here. <laughs> uh oh, gosh. Do you want to know what it's fall color? Yeah, it's fall color. Yeah, fall color would be a great uh, question. Yeah, fall color. It it does have a fall color of orange, with yellow and red. If that doesn't okay. give it away, come on. Well, it doesn't give it away for me because, like I said, I'm not as polished on knowing every plant. Yeah. So I have an, I have a hunch. It's it's mainly orange. Yeah, it's mainly orange. Are there a lot of them? <laughs> <laughs> So, Daryl, do you have a, a guess? I was going to guess sugar maple. All right. How about you, That's Tom? That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, I'll go with sugar maple. All right. Tom and Daryl both guess sugar maple. <laughs> I figured red maple has red fall color. Yeah, yeah. You know, silver maple is more yellow. And that's why know. I'm like, oh, is it more yellow? Is, is he really going to hammer home the yellow on the sugar maple or – no, and that's why I said or- it's more orange. Okay. Like I figured, yeah. to be fair, you'll get some yellow and red, but it's yeah. it's it's orange. You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. 
All right, we're finishing out the week today. It's Thursday. Welcome back to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I am the uh, the so far perfect on all my guesses this week, Tom. You've gotten every, you have every gotten every one. single one. And I'm pretty sure. I might have missed one on day one, but I don't think so. I think I got it right. And we have our guest who is, has provided a plethora of information you and a lot of bad guests. Did you right? I did, yeah. yeah Even though did. I, didn't, I was just like, yeah, I know, know the, it's a You didn't I know, know the name plant. of it. I don't know the oak leaf hydrangea. Yeah, he didn't know the botanical. <laughs> I don't but, know the botanical. Yeah. That's only 50% yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us is Daryl Kabeski from Sunset Farmstead, who's been with us all week. And today's native plant is Acer saccharum, not to be confused with Acer saccharinum, which is silver maple, uh, uh, but this is sugar maple. So uh, one of the, the things I found most interesting, and you have to take it into context, is this is a tree I think for us here in New Jersey that we're noticing a difference with climate change as far as where it occurs naturally. And as we start to have Milder winters and and hotter summers, we're seeing it creep further north than it, – I'd say at one point it was pretty naturally occurring, and you can see them. I have a natural one in my backyard in, in southern New Jersey, but it does have a native range from Maine to Georgia and then west to Oklahoma and north to North Dakota. So it does go down to Georgia, but it's important to remember it does like cooler temperatures and mountainous regions, so – it's it's you're not finding it in 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 heavy heat down in the south. You're finding it more in or in Appalachian Range, things like that, uh, where you have cooler temperatures. It does need a hard freeze. It definitely needs a hard freeze. And once you start getting those hotter summers, it starts having other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's slower grower, and we'll we'll go into that more as as we get there. But I always thought that was that was interesting, and I'm glad you didn't ask the family, which would have happened. Uh, Sapindaceae, which is Acer and Aesculus. So, um, what do you want to know? Well, first, describe. I, I think a lot of people know what a maple leaf looked like because of the Canadian flag. Um, but describe how this maple leaf looks like. You know, it's um, where a red maple is three lobes. Um, trident. Trident. Yeah, it's trident esque. Um, the uh, sugar maple is a palmate leaf with five lobes and a smooth margin. Now, it's very similar – not very similar, but it can be similar to Norway maple, which is not native and invasive. But that has a much wider five-lobed mm-hmm. leaf, more like – it gets a large – it depends on the, the cultivar. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that personally, if I were to put the two together – I can tell, and I think sugar maple is a smaller leaf. I think I think the big difference is the the size. Both leaves are broader; seem to me broader than tall. Yeah. Um, but Norway just it's a heavier leaf and yes. a bigger leaf. Yes. Where sugar is, uh, it's a thinner leaf to actually touch. Yes. And and a, and a bit smaller. Like to me, the Norway starts. Like I always, it always makes me think of a, a sycamore leaf almost, mm-hmm. yep. uh, just because you get a bigger size. But if you're if you're confused between red maple and sugar maple, a sugar maple leaf is definitely a darker green leaf mm-hmm. than a red maple, and it's five uh, palmate with five lobes instead of three lobes or that trident shape. So I think that's some good good areas to to really help identify that mm-hmm. a little bit because I think. Norway maples are more yellow fall color, um, yeah. so if if you're waiting for fall color, unless it's crimson king, which is the red leaf one, but um, 
It just gives you – they're all a little close, but there's good identifying facts to help you pick them out a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually looking at um, – I just Googled sugar yeah. maple leaf just so I could see a picture yeah. of it and really identify it in my brain a little better. And I just came across this – it's a an image that is comparing Norway maple leaves to sugar maple leaves, also the Canadian flag and, like, yes. the logo on Air Canada and yeah. all, like all their <laughs> stuff. And I'm I'm going to have to read this article because I want to know why they're comparing all these things. It was just – Is it know. the sugar maple that's on the Canadian It It looks similar, flag. but I'm not, I'm not sure if that's exactly what they designed it for. I, I don't know either. I, I always assumed it was, but I don't know. Uh, the bark, which is always a good identifier also, is a grayish brown to dark brown, and it's furrowed, uh, where red maple is, is smoother. Uh, this is more furrowed, uh, and silver maple is more shaggier. It's like a yep. more grayish and shaggier, and this gets like more dark brown. So it's – If you want to go back to the leaf, a silver maple also is way more dissected. Yes, yes. Deeper lobes. Yeah, definitely. So to me, a, a silver maple stands out because of how dissected mm-hmm. – dissected those lobes are so and i um, think we'll need one of our, our canadian listeners to write in and correct this but wikipedia says that it is just a maple leaf it okay. doesn't discern if it's a sugar maple or red maple or exactly okay. what kind of maple okay but we can all make our own observations and come to our own <laughs> conclusions i guess canadian maple <laughs> yeah. yeah there you go um all maples uh if you're trying to discern this way all maples grow with opposite branching leaves uh and buds so um all maples are going to have that opposite branching. So it's either opposite or alternate. But whether it's the buds, uh, leaves, or branches, it's all going to be opposite. Um, but this was interesting, and I didn't know this. It's saying that sugar maples are unisexual, so it's both monoecious and dioecious, hmm. um, which I was unaware of. Um, and the flowers uh, bloom early spring, and it's like a yellowish-green panicle flower uh, with no petals. Yeah, so. and it's really, really important if you listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet when we had on Cass Urban Mead, a, a new employee for the Xerxes Society who does a lot of research on how bees utilize trees. Man, sugar maples and red maples are really, really important. I almost said super, super. I say that a lot. I'm trying to curb <laughs> down on that a little bit. Or they're vitally important to our, our bee and pollinator populations because they bloom so early in the year. Uh, really, it's... It, I think it's right now, maybe even, I guess, when this airs, it's probably a little bit before and it's where we are in, in New Jersey. And we don't always think of bees with trees, and that oh, was yeah. the whole reason yeah. we had Cass on. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's that it's that great early so- season source. You know, as the temperatures start getting warmer, the you're, if, if you have bees or you know yeah. somebody does, the bees are flying, and especially, like, I mean, jump to red maple, but when they come back, to the hive, you can see like the darkness of the pollen that's on them. You can kind of start to identify a little bit. Are they are they hitting you know red maples or are they hitting sugars or, or that kind of? thing? Oh, totally, totally. So it's great. Um, the fruit itself is green to brown. Um, and we kind of mentioned like it. Here's the thing. Again, very subjective. It's it says it can take full sun to part shade to shade. I don't think full sun is its optimal condition. What do you think, Daryl? I, I have always guessed part shade to what shade. What time of its life? Uh, you know, early, I guess early young, I would maybe so, say. So if I'm thinking, you know, when this plant's getting established and growing, you know, starting its life, yeah, it's going to be more, you know, part shade, part sun because of where, you know, you got to think of how the seeds germinating and, and growing, yeah. but but at later stages, what is going to give it any shade? No, that's true. 
So, it, so it's kind of, I, I would think it's generational within the plant that as a younger plant, it can handle more shade and, and, yeah. and can take those conditions. But as it gets older, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be, it's uh, going to it, take, it, it is, it has it, to it take gives shade. Yes. Um, but if you kind of thinking about soil and stuff the whole time, it's going to have cool roots. Well, if you, if you think about it, you know, and what you're saying is perfect sense. If you put it into the terms that it's, it's found in late successional forests and canopy dominant. Mm-hmm. So it's not coming up early in full sun. It's coming up after there's already a canopy and shade where it's got cooler, cooler soil because it likes those uh, cooler, cooler, cooler soil temps that we've already established. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. I was going to say one of the things I've noticed as we've done more and more of these is long-lived trees tend to be like the state trees too. You don't find yes. anyone picking like a short-lived tree as their state tree. <laughs> Typically, there's, yes. I'm sure there's exceptions. Yes, I noticed you have that. This is a state tree of a lot of states, and it also yeah. looks like it's fairly long-lived, way longer lived than I would have expected. Yeah, it's actually the state tree of New York, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Vermont, and more states have claimed this tree than any other tree. So. Yeah. This is by far the way, you know, how many states have chosen sugar maple as their state tree more than any other tree. Yeah. And I, I can understand uh, New York, Wisconsin, and Vermont being on that list because sugar maple is what's primarily used yeah. for maple syrup. Those are some really yeah. big maple syrup states, especially New York and Vermont. Yes. Um, I don't know about the – I'm assuming it's pretty big in Wisconsin too, yeah. but I'm surprised to see West Virginia on there because that doesn't fall into that, oh, I'm going to go get my – Moonshine flavored syrup. That's really stereotyping West Virginia, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's definitely more mountainous and cooler than than we maybe attribute it to generally. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I think. Like you're getting yeah. the hard freeze. Like you're getting a, a heavier winter there. So it might be plentiful. I'm not as familiar with the flora of West Virginia, but it yeah. might be a, a sugar maple dominant forest yeah yeah terrain is very similar to those and i used to go there a lot but that was before i really cared about plants um (laughs) so i'll yeah when i go back i'll have to check it out west virginia is a beautiful state and and not as backwoods as many people (laughs) many people think it is yeah Um, and it's just and we had that moonshine from the pawpaw moonshine so we'll have to talk about that when we talk about pawpaw yes um and you mentioned that you think about long-lived trees for state trees it can live up to 200 to 300 years old so they're very long-lived trees and there is a tallest living sugar maple, and I don't know the name. I know you're going to ask me, <laughs> but it is 141.5 feet. So you hear 60 to 70 foot. This is 141 feet in Seaverville, Tennessee in the Great Smoky Mountains. And, Daryl, Tom and I mentioned whenever we we mention like what the, the record tree or the champion tree is, it's almost always in the Smoky Mountain range. Mm-hmm. So – and I'm wondering if that's just one place where maybe logging hasn't – touched it or it's been protected enough that the temperatures are right and it's been protected enough that it can grow that grow that tall yeah now if i wanted to to plant a sugar bush or i had a sugar bush well i guess if i'm going to plant a sugar bush which is where you're planting a bunch of sugar maples yeah. to yeah. then harvest syrup at some point yeah. what are some of the things i'm going to have to look out for on those the early stages of those trees so as far as what's it susceptible to, mm-hmm. like some of the diseases. So scorch, you know, early on, like that's what we mentioned, it can take shade early on. So uh, if you're putting it in full sun as a young tree, you're going to get scorch. Uh, it does get anthracnose, much like uh, platinus. Um, 
you know, and again, you're going to get the anthracnose if it's more in a wetter condition than what it's accustomed to. Leaf spot, powdery mildew, verticillium wilt. Um, you will get warm weather stress because we did mention that it likes uh, cooler temperatures. So I think it's – and again, whenever we say these, these are all things I see when it's not in the right conditions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, right plant, right place. We can't stress that enough. It's becoming more – I feel like a broken record because we say these things almost every episode, but it's it's true. I don't I don't know how else. It's just trying to. You'll get all those. You're trying to force something to happen, yeah. uh, and you're if you know you're going to stress yourself out as well as the plant about trying to make. I've got to have this plant, but I don't have the right place. I'd rather mm-hmm. put the right plant in there to be able to enjoy it. it so. Exactly, and it does have a shallow fibrous root system uh, because it can take shade. Like it's a lot of times early on, it's in. You know, in a forest or forest dominant, it doesn't have to be deep rooted. It's a little more protected. It's not on the edge and and getting blown over. So it's it's accustomed to that yeah. that cooler temp. And thinking about where you were talking, where we're talking about, you know, it's it grows in a canopy dominated forest. You know, where a lot of other deep, uh, right. deep rooted trees. Up, yeah, you know, in, in Vermont, New York, West mm-hmm. Virginia, and mountainous areas where where all that root system is going to be growing in that leaf litter. There's not those giant depths of topsoil and soil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, how else we talked about like that makes perfect sense. Honeybees yeah, and native bees, yeah. how it helps them early in the season. How does it help other wildlife? Uh, so white-tailed deer, moose, porcupine, squirrels, and snowshoe hare will eat the bark, twigs, and fruit. So you, you're mentioning a moose. Obviously, it's yeah. You know, you're, you're talking about cooler temperatures <laughs> there. Um, songbirds like goldfinch or nuthatch, woodpeckers, and cavity nesters use the sugar maple as home. Uh, that's that's what they like to call home, and uh, but if you do have horses, it is toxic to horses, so mm-hmm. uh, not not great used for that. And I, I put this: are all parts toxic to horses, like leaves? They did not say. They did not say that. I'm not sure on. And I I jotted down this random fact, and I wish I would have put some context to it. That duck manure helps regulate soil quality for sugar maples. So I I, I guess. Having ducks nearby actually help help that plant survive. What's special about duck manure? I don't know. Yeah, we're happy. that's we're that's have to find the secret. And that's I why we no don't content. grow as many sugar maples. We don't have <laughs> enough duck manure. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know it's used for maple syrup. When when you're getting maple syrup, that's the ideal. Yeah, tree. Yeah, that. and that's just a little fact for everyone at home. If you aren't familiar with, like like real authentic maple syrup and how much work it is, is it takes 40 gallons of sugar maple sap on average to make one gallon of maple syrup. So when you buy or when you go to the store and see like a gallon of maple syrup, it's like 40 bucks or something like that. It's probably more now. That's why. And it takes a long, long time to basically just boil off all that water and concentrate the sugar into what's going to be your, your syrup. Well, it, you can also use some other, you can uh, use red maple. We use use red maple. Um, just because we don't have the sugar maples here where we are in New Jersey. And then you need even more sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. So it probably took – I took like 20 gallons and made a little bit less than a half gallon of, of syrup. So the one, the one thing I wanted to include, and it's not on your sheets, is that Native Americans have legends about how, how maple sugar was discovered. The story has it that Chief Waxus of the Iroquois found the sweet syrup when he threw his tomahawk at a maple tree in the cold of winter – the next day, the sun warmed the sap inside the tree, and from the hole sprung forth the tasty syrup. So that's kind of like the legend of how it, it like mm-hmm. it was discovered yeah. and started too. Very cool. Um, 
And we, we kind of already talked about this. If you're going to plant a sugar maple, what would it be a good sub for? My first thought is Norway maple, which seeds so heavily and is so invasive mm-hmm. in so many ways. And, and so many people don't see that sometimes. There's a lot of cultivars. Crimson King has a, a dark crimson leaf. And uh, it, it's over time, it's become worse. Maybe we didn't realize it 20, 30 years ago, but it's pretty evident now. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, any, other, any other suggestions for what it could replace? That's Number the biggest. That's, that's the biggest, biggest one. one to I, me. I think replacement. That's the biggest one. Okay, awesome. All right, quiz time. Quiz time. Final quiz. Can I get Tom on this final quiz? I uh, tend to be better on these the the lies than I am the actual plants sometimes. So right. we'll see. I'm I'm All feeling right. confident. All right, four facts, one lie. You have to guess which one it is. Sugar maple wood is heavy, strong, and attractive. It's used for cabinets, furniture, and interior finishing. Early pollen is used by honeybees and is very important for early pollinators, which we've established. I don't think I'm throwing you off with that one. Uh, Sugar maple is the larval host for rosy maple moth and cercopia moths, among others. Sugar maple is inventive. But naturalized in Washington State, according to Bonaps. And Native Americans used maple sugar for gifts, trading, and mixes with grains, berries, and bear fat. Oh gosh. That that this is pretty tough. Yeah. Um one of those is false. I'm ugh. Maybe I'll get time. What was the fourth clue again? I don't remember which one. I didn't write, write it down. Well. Uh-oh. Uh oh. So I have the wood furniture, pollen for bees. Oh, the larval host for the rosy maple moth. I had the, the larval host, and then there's the Native American gifts. Inventive and it, naturalized yeah. in Washington State. Okay. Um, which that fits your. Maine to Georgia, west to Oklahoma, north to North Dakota. Yeah. So I could believe that. And I'm I'm gonna go with if if you made up the Native American one, that's just too believable. Like they had to have done that. So I, I don't think you made it no. up. I'm I'm gonna go with the well, Dow, what do you think before I, <laughs> I put myself out there? <laughs> Um, I got a lot riding on this. You do. You got a perfect Ma- mainly week. pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, all signs point to me thinking that it should be the, the Native American one because he's trying to. But uh, I was thinking initially. I was thinking, is it the larval host? Okay. All right, larval host. How about yeah. you, Tom? I'm gonna go with. I know maples are used for wood furniture, but I don't know if it's sugar maple in particular. Okay. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. Tom's guessing that sugar maple is strong oh, and wrong. inventive <laughs> and used for for furniture. Furniture and trim. Cabinets, and, furniture, yeah, and interior it, 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 finishing. And Daryl's guessing that it's not the larval host for the rosy maple moth and cercopia moth. Is mm-hmm. that what you – yeah? Yes! <laughs> it was actually – it's not inventive and naturalized in Washington State, but it is right. inventive and naturalized in California. Surprisingly, okay. Southern California, like the the middle of middle central, mm-hmm. you know, like mid central and and southern yeah. part of the state, which really shocked Interesting. me. Interesting. 
yeah. not where I would think it would be naturalized. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. I finally got you. I I jinxed it last time. <laughs> this is like you don't you don't say, uh, oh, he's got a perfect game game going. For I don't you, think, like in the seventh inning. I don't think yeah. Tom wants to end the episode yeah. this way. So it's we okay. won't. We'll, we're going to say, would you plant it in your yard, Daryl? How about you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. I'm gonna say no, just because I don't really have a spot for it, and I wouldn't plant it here just because I know for the long. Lividness is that a word? No, the lifespan. The lifespan on um, (laughs) livid (laughs) for the lifespan of this tree. It's not. It's not gonna work Work. here. Um, We have. I know we have our our place in the Adirondacks in New York. That's a place I would plant it, but not here. I actually have it naturally occurring in my yard, um, and I didn't. I never noticed it until this past fall. Until it went into its fall color, and then it, I was like, "Oh, I had no idea." It's kind of like right at the end of my property. That's wooded, and it's mm-hmm. right near. Uh, it's surrounded by oaks and ash. Yep. But like underneath are sugar maple and and Cornish Florida coming up. So I guess it's it's the right spot for it. It's kind of like a raised area above a stream. So yeah, yeah, it's a good I'll tree. Take, yeah, it's a very good tree. So I, I would love to see it like a stately. One in the middle of the in the middle of lawn, it kind of I can feel that, but it's never you're never going to have lawn underneath it. No. So that's the <laughs> no. you know that's kind of yeah. the, the thought yeah. process is that's what kind of you want to give it you know a beautiful sugar maple, big giant round could be awesome, but you're just going to have to think that you're going to have a large landscape bed underneath it because yeah. turf grass, which yeah. is a different story amongst itself, but you, you need to have something underneath it. I'm still like thinking about like how sensible it is your the fact that you made that where it's found naturally it's going to be shallow rooted because it doesn't have the area like i always thought you know it's going to be around these other trees that are deep rooted so it's occupying more the shallow shallow soil but no you're right it's a lot of those those places where it's upland it's it's not as deep a soil where it it can be it can be deep rooted so You, you, you mentioned earlier like on a different one of these you guys did oxidendron yeah I mean, you, you go down along the Blue Ridge Parkway. I mean, I've tried to grow oxidendron in a nursery container, and, and you're giving it every all this, you know, wonderful stuff. And then you see it growing out of the side of a little crack in the rock, <laughs> and you're like, how? Um, it, it's kind of, you know, really yeah. taking back. I had, a, I had a friend of mine a long time ago tell me, you know, the best thing any, any grower or person in plants can do is go walk through the woods or go walk through nature, and you'll really kind of figure out – where these things want to grow yeah. and, and where they should be planted or how you should care for them. Mm-hmm. It's uh, huge. Tom mentioned that with Lobelia cardinalis. He said it never grows where you plant it. Mm-hmm. It, it always mm-hmm. migrates to, to where it wants to be, but it's never yep. exactly where we want it. So right. it's it's one of those. So I think it's been a great week. Daryl, thank you for joining us. No problem. Hopefully you're close enough that we're going to definitely have to do yeah. a return See if I can stump you both for the entire week. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for joining us. Uh, Remember, tomorrow is Friday, so we'll have a brand new Native Plants Healthy Planet. Uh, So make sure you go over there and tune in for that. And until then, we'll see you next week. Keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran.
Hey everyone, this is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.